0: Hey there. Thank you for tuning in to Transa RPG. We are an all transgender people of color led 100% homebrew Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non-colonial anti-orientalist world. I am your game master Connie. My pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast.
1: My name is C. I use they them pronouns and I play Okahaye, an Osamar awesome, blood hunter/monster hunting expert.
2: I'm Erica. And I play V Shirzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry.
3: My name is Lyra, and I use they, she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter with a sailing background.
4: I'm Max, my pronouns are they-them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakooker artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory.
0: You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. As a heads up, this podcast is stitched together from the video of our Twitch streams. I promise the audio quality improves as we upgrade our gear, and I'm so excited for you to listen to this campaign. You can also support us by giving us a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include homelessness, poverty, exploitation of elderly people, crude humor, fantasy violence, death, gore, cults, indoctrination, and imprisonment. Arc 1, Episode 9, Somewhere Between Mud and Heaven, from Somewhere Between in a Black Odyssey by Seth. And now we start, as always, with a gift from me to you. The girl wakes begging, like a machine about to be smashed, the cold fingers of nightmare strung around her eyes. You lecture her on chemicals and illusions, the spaces between spaces, how everything has a design, a particular manipulation. I, too, feel closer to people when I make things. Bread, gold, yarn, problems. Writing about your problems is not the same as solving them. You can't outthink grief. Even rivers grow tired of running. Look how she averts her gaze, ear cocked with a question she'll never ask you, her mouth full of hooks you're too busy to pull out. The distance between who you are and who you need to be is swallowed by a woman beating her fists against your chest. How many times are you letting someone else carry a bomb you opened? Fear demands to be felt, not untangled. So does pain. So does love. All your memories vanishing into a pinhole. You wake clutching your face. You can't outthink a dream. And now we begin the episode with a dice roll. We have reached the donation (laughs) goals for our next subplot. Ah! And if y'all remember, when Erica's subplot was activated, that made for one of the most memorable episodes in our campaign thus far. See Devin and Max, why don't you all pick a number? Between one and three. And if we roll a four, I'll roll it again. Are we ready?
1: No. I'm so not ready. Oh my god. Should I
0: even tell you what I get? Or should I just like Good luck. save it until the end? Wait, you should save it. I'll save it.
1: You should yeah. save it.
0: I don't that want was a four, to so I'm gonna re-roll it. That was also a four. I'm gonna re-roll it again.
2: It really. That was also a four.
0: Death. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Three it fours in a row. That's fucked. Okay. I wanna know. Okay.
1: We'll <laughs> oh, find no, out. I'm so we'll good.
0: we'll find out whose subplot, whose trauma we're gonna drag up this episode. Are y'all ready? Hop on the hop on the choo-choo train to Grief Town, bitches. <laughs> oh
2: god.
0: <laughs> so let's let's start the episode for real with. A marketplace, Dewey. After splitting with the party, your taloned feet find themselves planted in front of a extremely exuberant storefront. In common, the letters read Amara's arcane armor and ammunition which you would know is a magical armor and weapon store that is ubiquitous across Endake that only exists in the capitals scattered across the land. Otherwise, you can purchase magical items, weapons, armor, what have you, at special auctions that are invite-only. Everywhere you hear bustling voices, you smell food being grilled on sticks, you hear mothers calling for children, and you can sort of feel the humidity of a early morning heat beginning to settle in in this mountain stronghold of Dabathati.
4: What do you do? Reaches a hand to check on, make sure the sword on his back is secured, which is right in. As you
0: stride through the threshold, you pass underneath a logo that resembles sort of like a a braying elephant in warm colors, reds, orange, browns, golds. You feel the sword strapped to your back vibrate with excitement, and you hear a muffled voice in your head go, I feel other things like
4: me in here. Father, where are you taking me? Um, I ignore it, and I I head for- is there, like, a counter with- Yes.
0: It's not super busy. You see other people- you assume they're adventurers based on their rugged visages, the leather armor, and the weapons strapped to their body. There seems to be one, like, shop person in here behind the counter, a Loxodon woman. If you don't know what a Loxodon is, it's, like, an elephant person. She's very tall- Almost as tall as Manaya, like seven feet, let's say, because she's a literal elephant person, okay, (laughs) Manaya, The only people taller than Manaya are elephants and goliaths, I think is what we've realized. Um, She has skin sort of like gray marble, and she's wearing a chain shirt outfitted with countless iridescent coils, and a golden nose ring with a ruby is threaded through her nostrils at the end of her trunk-like nose. She seems to be helping a young halfling girl and her mom at the counter.
4: What do you do, Dewey? I want to stand a safe distance away from the two people who are being helped. Okay. Looking around a little bit nervously. Okay, roll perception. I got a 10.
0: A 10. There's just like various armor from light to heavy, leathers and furs and pelts to like full plate. Some of them are like labeled like, ooh, glimmering, this never gets dirty, like stuff like that. And you see like pieces of ammunition, like crossbow bolts, arrows, sort of stacked in quivers in like glass cases. There don't seem to be too many swords or axes or anything like that. There's mostly just seems to be armor and like the name says, ammunition. You don't notice anything else.
4: I make a mental note of the, uh, glimmering, uh... Glimmering ever-clean armor. armor. Everclean armor, yes. To, to mention
0: it to me. Sure. Eventually, the halfling girl and her mother step away from the counter, and as you step up to take your place in line, you pass by one such display case of ammunition, and you see one is labeled Unbreakable! Shatter the hide of an armored bull! This Loxoten woman turns her sparkling gaze upon you and says, Hi there! Can I help you?
4: that That's a good question. Uh... Do you offer disenchantment services? Disenchantment services? What do you mean? Um, I... Um, I have something... I need to not be magical anymore. You're enchanted? Well, you just... You look like a normal Aarakocra to me, Sonny! No, no, I have some... I'm not
0: enchanted. I'm a person. Is it your sword, then? And at this, it, it, your sword vibrates even more. And you see like her glimmering eyes fall upon the slightly quivering hilt. And her I trunk saw my hand over. It. Okay. You uh, roll sleight of hand against her perception, let's say. She got she got a nat 20. I got a nat one. <laughs> so I literally I literally just go <laughs> uh, but your your hand vibrates on the hilt, let's say, and it just like makes her hand move. And her trunk as it's swaying, you know, as she's been talking, it suddenly freezes. She looks at you, and then there's, like, a pause, a str- an odd look on her face. Would you like to try to discern what the look is? Sure. Roll insight. Oh, shit, that's a 21. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, as you peer at her, she looks both surprised, taken aback, and there's a glimmer in her eye that looks similar to, like, the glimmer you might find on an urchin's face uh, when they find a nice, fat gold coin on the ground. And then her trunk starts swaying again. She says, oh, You want to disenchant that thing? It looks pretty powerful to be moving on its own. How about this? I'll buy it off ya. Eh?
4: I would... mm, 100 gold. Okay, first of all, my my craftsmanship is, I think... Uh... Never mind. I I just need something disenchanted. Can you do that for me? Sure thing, Sonny. How much
0: money are we working with here? Because my services are quite luxurious, I must say, for things beyond just the bread and butter of my store. I'm Amara, by the way, and you recall that the name of the store is Amara's Arcane Armor and Ammunition. So, well, uh, what's your budget here, Sunny? I, I
4: scoop out all the gold coins I have, which is ten.
0: Mmm, I don't don't think I can do any disenchantment for you for ten, but like I said, uh, if if that's what you're talking about, she gestures with her trunk toward the hilt of your quivering sword, why don't you pull it out and let me take a look, and I can maybe eyeball a nice price for you, or we could maybe come to a
4: compromise of sorts? I don't want it out in the world. I... I...
0: Ah, a dangerous one, is it, Sonny? I understand. Amara ain't no snitch. And she lifts her trunk skyward and says, stores closed for lunch break. All patrons out, please. And as the other patrons sort of grumble and they begin to file out, she looks at you and says, except you, come to the back with me. And she gestures for you to move behind the counter. And on that, we are going to rubber band to two, we're going to cut to (laughs) two people striding through an utterly different part of Dabathati. Here was Suraksha, community center's gardens, and now we're in Thristi, the entertainment arts heart of the capital city of the Republic of Talmud. And here we find Oka and Manaya walking down a street, a particular street that, Oka, you are actually very familiar with, given your history with Dabathati. You're walking down what's known as the Quad, which is short for Quadrant, which is a square mile of hotels, hostels, casinos, specifically, expensive residentials, theaters, exclusive nightclubs, and other entertainment venues. This is where you just are headed to in order to figure out a way to get into the monster fighting pits. It's like 10 a.m., so there's not too many people out and about, but there are the usuals, sitting out in front of gambling parlors. You see, like, wizards beginning to, like, throw their hands at signs to light them up in, like, neon colors. You see, like, some hawkers, sign spinners, beginning to set up their signs and whatnot. What do you do? Is it 10 a.m. or is it noon? noon. I thought y'all said you were going to reconvene for lunch.
1: Or we could uh, say it's in the okay. afternoon if
0: it doesn't matter too much and y'all are reconvening for dinner.
1: I have a slight preference for that,
0: but okay. again, can be flexible. Is that okay with everyone? We can say it's like mid-afternoon then instead of early morning.
3: Are we going to the mines then to the next day? It might be smart.
0: Spend this day to investigate and the next day go to the mines? Mm-hmm. Is that okay with sure. everyone? Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Glad we
0: talked about it. Let's go back in character. Oka, scratch what I said. It's a lot more busy. The sign spinners are out in full force. <laughs> they look kind of tired. Uh, the <laughs> signs are glowing. It's neon. That's happened. You're walking down the quad. What do you do?
1: Oka is shifty eyes looking back and forth. They're like twin pupils, like bouncing just kind of across the street. But they seem more distracted than anything else, even though they're looking everywhere at once. Their eyes don't actually seem to be focusing on anything. And they're rubbing the front of their, like the collar of their shirt so much that like the button has come undone a little bit. And they're just like tugging on it a little bit as they walk. This is where potential content warning for a panic attack might occur. so I'm just gonna pause for a moment. I'll continue now. Oka's gonna kind of like bounce their eyes up to Manaya like a few times before actually speaking. Do you uh, do you have a lot of do you have a lot of nightmares, Manaya? Like do you dream? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you dream in nightmares a lot?
3: Not. Frequently, but I've had a few.
1: What are they like? What are they like? What have you been dreaming about?
3: Without divulging too much, you know I'm from the Southern Isles, Uhanahi. Sure. Uh, Favor the ocean, I favor freedom. Most of my dreams are either me being stranded on land or so far under the surface of the ocean I can't get back up.
1: This, uh, this morning, I, d- I, uh, I don't dream. I don't. It's like you can dream about being underwater or you can dream about anything, right? But I, uh, I don't. I haven't in a really long time. Nothing, empty, nothing. Not just I don't remember when I wake up, I don't. I know that I don't.
3: Oh, okay. And have bends down a little bit. Right. are you all right?
1: Uh, I, uh, had a dream for the first time. I had a dream for the first time, and so fucking long I can't even remember. Uh, and I can't remember it anymore, but I know that it happened. It's not like every other time. Whoa, whoa. Uh,
3: Slow down. Take a breath. Keep going.
1: I'm afraid. The doctor told me that I was sick, and that there was something happening with my soul. And after that, this morning, I—I'm afraid I don't—I don't, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to where I was. I don't want to—I don't want to dream anymore. I don't want to.
3: It's good to be able to know what you want. I'm proud of you for processing this, and I'm proud of you for knowing where you want to go moving forward. It we doesn't have... feel
1: like forward. What if I'm just walking around in circles, over and over again?
3: Funny thing about circles, you go through them enough, you start to notice things you didn't notice last time or the time before. And maybe, sure, you don't want to be in that circle again. Maybe it takes a gust of wind, maybe it takes seeing land, maybe it takes going for a swim to get out of it. Mm -hmm. I encourage you to find an ocean to swim in. I'll tell you what, we're here in the city, We've got just a few hours left of daylight. Let's finish what we're doing here. We'll go back to the mines. And if you're all right with it, I'll take the bed next to yours. And if you ever need anything, I'll be right there for you."
1: Uh, Oka kind of settles back a little bit, nods slowly. You know, maybe we're going around in circles, but at least the the company's nice. I think this is probably the end of the content warning.
0: That was awesome, guys. Why don't both of you take a point of inspiration? That was really, really nice. As you sort of wrap up this conversation, Oka, you find memory leading your feet to the front of a specific casino that you, historically, you know, this is one of many front organizations for the Aurochs Guild, which runs these monster fighting rings. And based on your memory, this was how you got into the pits when you lived here a couple years ago. This casino dominates the quad. Its roots sprawl out in every direction and there's like a huge line actually that wraps out front even though it's barely like 4 p.m. There's like steps leading up to it and sort of in like a inverse or a mockery though they would say it is a tribute to Unabathi. There are three main entrances into the queen's gambit. All three of them sort of look like open mouths. But instead of an orc, an elf, and a dwarf, uh, the mouths are a tiefling, a half-elf, and a human. There's just three different ways to get in.
1: What do you do? I'm going to lead Manaya to the human door. And is there, is there, you said that there was a line to get in, eh? Wrapping out
0: of the tiefling mouth, specifically. You know
1: that each mouth sort
0: of deposits you to a different area of the casino? The most popular mm-hmm. one are usually the slot machines, which is the tiefling. Games of pure luck.
1: Are there bodyguards?
0: Yeah, they're People's- bouncers. They're sort of loitering mm-hmm. around, keeping a loose eye on things. I'm just going to lead us through
1: the human mouth.
3: At, you know this at place? will.
1: I've been here before, once or twice. It's a good place to go if you study monsters.
0: As you straight up to the human mouth, it is the one that that has the smallest line, let's say. You would know that this deposits patrons into uh, games of what they call pure skill, but you know, that's not really true in a casino. Uh, This is stuff like poker. Mahjong, games where you stand a chance based on your skill level. And as you walk up to the human mouth, you see a, a big burly elf bouncer look up at Manaya, down at you. He doesn't say anything, it sort of lets you pass. And as you walk through this gaping mouth, you smell instantly alcohol and smoke. Everywhere you turn, there's a bar, there's a person getting served alcohol, and you see just tables upon tables of green felt tiles clattering against the Belt, men arguing with each other over accusations of cheating women in, in fine dresses smoking long cigars looking at each other with condescension uh, and long white gloves something about the name the queen's gambit rings familiar in both of your heads if you want to i'll allow you to make a history check
1: oh, i'll be doing that thank you
3: i can't cough on command but my yeah. uh, coughs twice
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> uh 22 22 Manaya.
3: Uh, I'm not going to roll. The queen just reminds her of Queen Kakoa. Sounds which good. she doesn't want to touch.
0: I like that choice. 22! Because you rolled so high, Oka, you know that the name actually rings familiar because of two things. One is a chess opening by the same name, wherein White sacrifices a wing-side pawn in exchange for early control of the center of the board. And two, the event that the chess move is named after— The Gambit of Queens, which was sort of a legendary conflict similar to how we know the Trojan War from many, many thousands of years ago, many eons ago, that encompasses a period of over 200 years with many plot twists, many points of intrigue, and competing sort of translations and interpretations. But basically, with the 22, you know that the conflict boiled down to the Queens of Endake way before there were, you know, eight distinct nations that we recognize today, sacrificing the common people to advance their own power.
1: Hence the name of the opening. We're here, my people. Drink first or after?
3: Forgive me, but I think it is in both of our best interests that we wait till after.
1: You have so many good ideas, Manaya. So many good
3: ideas. You need them on the scene. Uh, save your life one day. But seriously,
1: like you, already you have.
3: I'd rather not replay that scene again. Let's just get through this. God, my chest is heaving. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the cigar smoke is real bad. Make a constitution save. Just kidding. Oh my God. Just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Connie. Oka, something- That was dirty, Connie. That was very dirty. (laughs) I know. Something catches your eye, Oka. It's the circular coin exchange table where you can exchange gold for chips. You also know that sort of to access the monster pits, which you know are underneath the queen's gambit, you need to drop the password of the week the person at the coin exchange. And it's been more than a few weeks, I would say, uh, since you were last here and knew what the password was.
3: Uh, okay. I thought we heard for investigation not for gambling. Why are we going towards the exchange?
1: Well, we have to find somebody who knows what the password is. Oh! So oh, right,
3: right, right. Play
1: a few, few games. Play a few games, okay? I'll, Don't uh, worry, I'm great at this.
3: I'll leave that to you, then. I'll send God,
1: you know what, with you watching my back, I don't think anyone is going to try to mess with us. <laughs> All
0: right, so y'all are trying to look for a table. Uh, there are several games available to you that you can play to try to get to know the other people and maybe figure out what the password is. There is one that sort of looks uh, is it's a card game where cheating, like lying is allowed, sort of similar to um, bullshit.
3: Magic the Gathering. <laughs> or Yeah,
0: I guess similar to Magic the Gathering. If you play, what is that, blue decks? I don't know. Sorry. I wish I knew Magic the Gathering more.
3: Um, oh, I wish I didn't.
0: <laughs> uh, there are several such games where lying about your hand is part of the play. There is a, a spinning game, like a top spinning game, and you bet on what the top face is going to land on. There's Blackjack, where you try to reach 21. There's also like other games where... Yeah, that's just pure chance, like slot machines and like a wheel, a wheel game. Any particularly appeal to you? I actually am
1: gonna bypass all of the games okay. and go right for those two fancy ladies the like fancy wives. Okay. Smoking cigar.
0: Yes, the two fancy ladies smoking looking at each other condescendingly have actually just finished up a card game and they're they're both sidling over to a bar and they're sitting down. One of them is a tiefling woman uh, with long auburn hair and eyes the color of midnight, dressed in a ruby red dress. The other woman is a human, rather stocky compared to her companion, but muscular, with short hair and a cascade of tattoos blooming from her neck. Manaya, do you follow?
3: A little ways away. Close enough to hear what's going on, but far enough away where I would not be assumed to be associated.
0: Okay. Oka, as you approach, both women turn their gazes, their smoldering gazes, upon you.
1: Good evening, ladies. Pleasure to make your acquaintances.
0: The tiefling woman says, what do you want?
1: I'm over here to get a drink. And you know, games aren't really my thing. Or at least, not these kind of games. And Oko's going to, like, thumb their lip a little bit, like, kind of in a sexy way, but also in a kind of, like, look at this scar that I got from Fighting Monsters uh-huh. kind of way. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh Uh huh.
0: The human woman sort of looks you over, gives you, like, an appraising glance. Are you one of the fighters we're sponsoring? I thought you weren't allowed to reveal yourself.
1: I'm not exactly revealing myself, am I? I just, you know, need to get to where I'm supposed to go. Hmm.
0: Which one are you? Ze bull or ze pig? The bull. Excuse you. Oh,
1: interesting. I think that would be pretty obvious.
0: (laughs) All right, well, I don't want to break any rules or have my auntie be voided, says the human woman. We'll see you down in the pits. And they begin to get up to leave.
2: Um...
1: And... they get into the... Pits. What? Use the password. Listen, <clears throat> I'm a fighter, not a, uh, not a mind guy. Hey, okay? I, uh, listen, I get, tr- I do a lot of training, okay? I do a lot of training, and I get hit in the head sometimes. Understand? Oh, I don't remember the password. I suppose you are rather hard-headed if you are the bull. You forgot the password. It got knocked out of
0: your head. Okay, pouts. Oh, okay. I grow <laughs> bored. I grow bored of this conversation. Paragon 8. And the two women begin to sidle off. Uh, they brush past you, Manaya, on their way out. They don't seem to notice that you and Oka are related.
3: Do they bump into me? Do they physically touch my pristine? No, kidding.
0: <laughs> Do you want them to? I mean, they're 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 giving you a, a berth, you know?
3: Okay, okay. Yeah,
0: they're not they're not being antagonistic. They're just walking past you. Oka, the word, the phrase, the password rings in your head. Paragon Eight, uh, and as this ringing. Uh, We're going to cut over to our most beloved fourth member of the party, V. You consult the address that Balraj wrote down on a slip of paper to you when your party was first traveling across the northern badlands of Talmud to reach Dr. Oluso's homestead. And as you look from this address and then you look up, you see what used to be an orphanage. This is in the district of Suraksha, so the same district that Dewey's in, but in a far poorer, more run-down place. This is closer where the slums are. You sort of see peeling, paint coming off of the pillars, you see like an unkempt kind of overgrown statue like altar out front of Udabathi. Some shingles are missing from the roofing. But there's someone sitting outside this kind of dilapidated-looking orphanage on a rocking chair. This sort of older grung woman uh, is just rocking with sort of a blank gaze looking out, a milky white gaze uh, looking out, and she sort of has her webbed hands folded in her lap. You do hear voices coming from inside, though, so you know it's not totally abandoned. And you can smell maybe dinner cooking, like a stew or something from deeper inside, cut, wafting out from an open window. And finally, you see a brand new poster that's been put up that looks like the newest thing here, right on the door of the house, resembles a painted chrysalis.
2: There's nobody coming in and out at all, Dicey.
0: Doesn't doesn't seem to be, no? But you, but you just got here.
2: Right. I actually would like to, like, spend I don't know, a half hour just, like, scoping the place out, seeing if people come in. I'm particularly looking for Balraj, if I can see him.
0: You're going to case the joint without going in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me how you're doing this. Are you, I mean, the grown woman's right there. She doesn't really react to your presence.
2: Is it the type of neighborhood where the buildings are right on top of each other, practically touching, or is there, like, does it have a property around it?
0: Yeah, sort of think, like, Chicago Brownstones. You know, they're, like, kind of okay. next to each other. But this orphanage specifically is the only one with, like, a garden nearby. And there's, like, a low okay. kind of broken-down shitty, like, iron fence around it that you could easily scale.
2: I want to do disguise self and just make myself look like just sort of a feeble, much older tiefling. The horns look like they've seen better days. Sure. Hair's kind of stringy. Just real poor. Okay. Uh, um... I'll sit sort of on the property or, like, right on the edge of the property and act like I'm begging for money from anyone who might pass by. Meanwhile, I'm, like, trying to, like, just investigate and see anything unusual or, like, security-wise or anything that might be a trap. Anyone in the windows or coming in and out. Okay,
0: as you do this, roll perception for me. Sixteen. Sixteen. Your eye catches movement through the left window. There doesn't seem to be a curtain, so it's not very hard to see inside. You see what looks to be maybe like a, a kitchen, and you see someone enter. Not Balraj, but the tiefling woman from earlier that was with Balraj in the soup line. You remember that her name was Grace. She looks extremely like stressed out. Uh, her hair is like everywhere, and she sort of has this huge pot of soup that she's like carrying into the kitchen. She sort of throws on top of a stove and starts trying to light light wood.
2: I'm gonna cast message to Grace okay. and just in a in like a ethereal voice as possible, just be like, Boraj needs to go outside.
0: Uh, you see, you don't hear because it's like several feet away, but you do see her flinch. Her elbow catches the edge of the soup. The soup bowl starts to tilt over. It smashes onto the ground and stew goes everywhere. And she's sort of, you see her kind of scream and you see steam rising. The soup was probably kind of hot. <laughs> she falls onto the ground and her dress is covered in stew.
2: Well, what you, that didn't what you... go well, did it? <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, uh, V hears all that and
0: she well, you see it, little, rather. You hear nothing. It's right, like a silent movie. Right, right.
2: I, I see all this drama. I'm like, oh, shit. So then I'm just going to go the old woman and be like, excuse me?
0: Uh, the grown woman doesn't slow down rocking, but she does look up a little with this, like, kind of vacant gaze. She says,
2: who's that? Who's there? I'm just someone who's a bit down on my luck and needs a little bit of food.
0: Little bit of food while there's stew cooking on the stove, darling. And you see someone rush into the kitchen, Balraj, start helping Grace up and, like, wiping her down. And Grace seems to be shouting at Balraj a little, and Balraj looks really confused.
2: I'm gonna cast Message to Balraj and be like, Oh my god, okay. Balraj, I need you to come outside.
0: Balraj flinches, slips on the stew, (laughs) falls (laughs) on his ass. (laughs) <laughs> and lets out like a cry that you hear through the muffled window. You hear him go, My tailbone!
3: Oh, how oh, am I hurting these people? <laughs> yeah.
0: and the grumbling okay. goes, Are you the devil? <laughs> Who's speaking to me?
2: Uh, there's... No, I'm, I'm just a humble servant who needs who needs some food in order ah. to keep going.
4: The quisalis. We'll accept you. We
0: accept all. They said that they're going to make me have teeth again, uh, have have good eyesight, uh, not ache and hurt all the time. I just have to be loyal and faithful. Go in. The children are always welcoming.
2: Oh, thank you so much. And then I kind of hobble up to the doorway, and um, yeah, I'm going to keep up with this facade for a little bit. I'm going to feebly just on the that door. it doesn't sound
0: very feeble. It sounds like a tush, tush
2: <laughs> I know. Tush. <laughs> I, I always picture knocking on the door to be like a giant castle, even if it's a little door. Okay, sounds good.
0: One, uh, one, one second, please. Uh, can someone else... Fatma, can you Can you get the door, please? And you hear a little... Dip, 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 and the door opens, and you see a tiny Felis. It's a race of people that are like cats. Like, ty- not tabaxi, but, like, actual cats, but on their hind legs with, like, big, <laughs> a big head and big eyes. So, like, puss and <laughs> you're <Yeah, possibly>. screaming! <laughs> Is a sort of a tortoise shell felis. Has a, a, pr- a prosthetic limb. Opens the door for you and says, oh, hello there. Can I help you?
2: I'm here for food.
0: Yes, of course. Well, the chrysalis welcomes all. Uh, c- come on in. Fatima, you assume, opens the door wider for you to step in. You see sort of like a dilapidated foyer, a peeling paint, a staircase that's like missing a few banister, you know, things from the from the railing. You see a glimpse into the kitchen to your left. I you see stew all over the place. Sorry, um. we're we're fixing a kitchen emergency right now. Uh, would you like to join us in the rec room? And oh, have you gotten it processed yet? Have you are
2: you are you new? Um, I talked to someone named Balraj the other day who fed me some food. Oh, Balraj, yes!
0: Oh my goodness, he's well on his way to becoming uh, a priest! And you hear Balraj's voice go, oh, is someone calling for me? And he sort of exits from the kitchen, covered in stew, limping a little, holding his tailbone. I'm so sorry, I I think I might have bruised or sprained something. There was this voice, I, I don't know how to explain it, it was, it wasn't the chrysalis? Sir? Oh, no, the chrysalis doesn't sound like that in any way at all. Can I help you? I, I'm not sure if we've met before, actually. I'm Balraj.
2: Um, I'm going to, like, start to extend a palm, but as I do, in, a, like, a flourish of magical, draconic <laughs> swirling, the disguise just swirls off, and I reveal myself as V, and I'm like, hello, my old friend.
0: <laughs> Balraj starts to stumble back, like he's about to fall <laughs> over again. onto I, his. I cast Mage wheel.
2: Hand to, like, catch him. <laughs>
0: Okay, uh, that's enough. Yeah, I like that. Um, the mage hand catches him, and he, that's that's enough pressure to sort of help him steady himself. Fatima's hair poofs, poofs up, uh, the tail whoosh, stands on end, and she jumps back and hisses in in fear and shock. After you introduce yourself, seems to calm down a little. And Balarge goes, "Oh, V, it's you. Oh, he scared me. Hold on. Was that you and the with the voice and the."
2: Yes, and um, I'm a little... I'm sorry that my presence caused such a catastrophe in your kitchen.
0: Don't worry about it. Oh, come on in. We've been waiting for ages for you. It's just me and Grace have to figure out a little kitchen emergency, and then we'll be ready to process you for for intake.
2: I was really hoping that I could move. You know, I've traveled a long distance, as you know. We've met each other out in the world, and I'm hoping to talk to someone about these profitabilities that uh, you claim that I have.
0: Uh, absolutely. Uh, I just need to, again, attend to an emergency in the kitchen that, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, you 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 made a spill stew everywhere, you you tricky rascal. But we do appreciate your energy. Um, Fatima, why don't you bring V... To the rec room or, you know, to to our waiting center. And there are people there who can talk to you. I just need to clean up the kitchen a little bit and I'll I'll be right with you. Just don't go poking around.
2: All right, you know me. I'm very trustworthy. I will stay right where you ask me to be.
0: I always knew I could trust you. Uh, I'll be right there, Fatma. And this little Felis says, follow me. And begins to lead you down the hallway past
2: the stairs. So how long have you been here?
0: Just about two weeks or so. I want to get really big and tough. I always get picked on. I was kind of the run of the litter. All my brothers and sisters, I've got a big dragonborn brother and, and a huge half-orc sister. And and, and he he seems, year- it's a, I don't know if you've ever met a Felis before, but it's a little hard to clock their age. They look maybe actually on the younger side. You're not entirely sure, maybe in their late teens. And I'm using they, he, and she pronouns for this Felis because I've decided they're gender fluid. What about uh, you? How did you find out about the uh, the children?
2: I was traveling as with a group to investigate some things after the stars went away, and ah. uh, I ran into Balraj, and um, it seemed that some magical things happened when we got near each other, and uh, he thinks perhaps I might be a prophet.
0: A prophet? Really? We only have <laughs> the one. I didn't know there could be two prophets of the chrysalis.
2: You know, we're discovering more and more things about the chrysalis every day, from my understanding.
0: Do you think you could be the next imago? Uh,
2: one can only hope.
0: Uh, why don't you roll nature for me?
2: Ooh, nature. I don't <laughs> even know what nature would be for me. Yeah. Hold on.
0: That is, I think, intelligence. Weirdly enough, instead of wisdom. Twelve. Imago. Imago. Uh, the final and fully developed adult stage of an insect, typically winged.
2: Okay. You know, if I can somehow contribute to such a wonderful purpose as I, I've been in, in this city for a day or two and just seeing you all do such wonderful work, I, uh, if I can add to that wonderfulness, I will do whatever I can.
0: Of course. Uh, well, the rec room's right up front. I'm sure everyone will be so happy to meet you. Wow, another prophet. I can't imagine. Out of the corner of your eye, based on your passive perception, before you enter the rec room, which is sort of like a sitting room, you notice a small door sort of built into, like, under the stairs. You notice, like, a lock on it. Uh, mm. And as you pass this small door, uh, you finally enter the rec room, where you see a bunch of people, you know, sitting on, like, these moth-eaten couches, on the rug, in front of, like, an unused fireplace. You see some people praying in front of an altar that, based on the fact that there are three candle holders, used to be for Yudabathi, but has been cleared out and has been replaced with a golden statue of a chrysalis.
2: Hmm. And does it look like there's anywhere, like, where the people are doing this sort of processing at this point?
0: Uh, there seems to be, like, a little desk. Right as you enter, you see a human woman behind the desk writing on, like, a scrap of parchment. As you come and she goes, oh, do we have another one? And Fatima goes, yes, this is, a uh, V, V, right? Uh, v, V's here to join. And she goes, great, wonderful. Uh, can I have your full name? Do you have any documentation?
2: of course documentation uh yes my full name is victoria schnauzheiser and i reach into my bag and i have a perfectly forged document that says victoria schnauzheiser on it okay. and i place it on the table
0: she takes it inspects it goes that looks good puts it aside and begins to write fill out a form and fatima pulls up a, a stool for you to sit in front of the table and she says okay victoria a v for short i'm assuming is your nickname
2: you can call me that, sure. It'll be simpler.
0: It's nice to meet you. My name's Hadi. Why are you joining the children?
2: Because I see I ran into my friend Balraj, and he seems to think that I perhaps may be a prophet.
0: Oh wow! Ooh, another Imigo! I thought there was only one. But if Balraj said so, it must be true. Let's see, uh where in your life do you feel most dissatisfied?
2: Where look at the state of the world, I'm dissatisfied everywhere.
0: Uh, I mean, in your life, your body.
2: Well, you know, I've always wanted to be a little more, just more muscular. I, uh, I yeah, I okay, just...
0: hmm Okay, okay, B- a body, uh, mu- muscle dysphoria is what we call it. Yes. Okay. Would... Understood. Um, how far are you willing to go to achieve what you want?
2: Oh, I would kill someone instantly if I oh, had to. Oh,
0: wh- wow, uh, okay. Okay. That was actually my next question. Uh, would you kill to achieve your goals? I'll put you down for a yes, not a maybe. Okay. Enth-
2: enthusiastic, yes.
0: Enthusiastic, great. Uh, would you sacrifice your life for the chrysalis?
2: Absolutely.
0: Oh, okay. All right, Fatima, we got a winner here. You really are safe enough to be a good prophet. And of course, last but not least, um, do you swear to never, ever, ever ever, ever, ever betray us in any shape or form.
2: I mean, what does betray look like? Does that mean, like, I leave the group? Does that mean, like, I try to take you down systemically from the inside? What does betrayal look like?
0: Uh, the ladder.
2: <laughs> okay, Definitely sure, the ladder
0: that. of that.
2: Yeah, I won't do that, I promise.
0: Okay, wonderful. Now, just sign here at the bottom.
2: Can I investigate this for you? <laughs> uh, use arcane? I want to use arcana.
0: Yes. Uh, roll arcana on the form.
2: I remember these types of contracts from McConaughey once. (laughs) 15.
0: You notice that the parchment as you're sort of like picking it up is a little thicker than you would have expected. Similar to like the pages out of a spell book. And you also notice, uh, you know how like uh, money, if you hold it up to the light, like has like another image in it. Uh, You notice uh, something that might be that.
2: I always hate signing contracts in this game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) While you deliberate over the contract, let's cut to break. We are going to settle our sights on a most unfortunate soul, or not unfortunate, but uh, <laughs> someone in conflict, let's say. A most conflicted soul, indeed. Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> you... <laughs> The the back room of Amara's arcane armor and ammunition is larger than you expected. It's actually even larger than the actual store itself. The Loxodon woman, trunk swaying, has directed you behind the counter through a door with a lock that she procured. You're not sure where, but from her chainmail somewhere, a key. She unlocked it, and with a click, it swung open on perfectly oiled hinges. As you step through the threshold, it's vast. Almost like a warehouse. Like, huge, it's huge, actually. Uh, based on what you remember seeing outside, there definitely wasn't, like, another huge store next to this. It's covered in these cardboard boxes of varying shapes and sizes are just stacked all over this vast space. There are some floating orbs of light that illuminate the inside, but you can't see any walls or anything like that. But based on, like, how many boxes there are, it's pretty huge. Uh, she moves to close the door behind you.
4: Uh, what's back? What's back here? <laughs> this is the back room of, uh, of my store. Um, I'd, I'd feel more comfortable if we left the door open. I mean, there's no, there's no one in the store, right? Oh, uh, it's just customers. Sometimes kids
0: run in. I don't want anyone come running in here and getting hurt. I'm just gonna, as she moves, moves to close the door with her trunk. Okay. Okay. It clicks shut. And locks. That uh, that's sword of yours. Why don't you take it out and uh, put it on the floor, so we can uh, have a look here? Or do you want a table? And when you sort of turn, you notice there's a table in front of you that wasn't Was there before. There? No, it wasn't there
4: before. Uh, you know, I have I have to meet up with my um. I look at my watch. I have to meet up with my friends for dinner, and I'm not really comfortable handling it right now. Could I? Can you disenchant things for me? I can!
0: And, uh, that's an interesting watch, Sonny. Where'd you get it?
4: Uh, it was a bonus from my employer.
0: (laughs) Wow, your employer gives out watches as a bonus. Must be a popular boss. Mind if I take a look? Sure. Uh, the trunk extends out, and she begins to nose around your watch. I make sure she doesn't, like, touch it directly. Oh, she's moving to touch it directly. Do you draw your hand back?
4: A little bit. Oh, what? What's the matter? Uh, it's, it's, um, I just prefer you didn't touch it. It's, uh, cursed,
0: isn't it? I can recognize a cursed magical object from miles away, honey. I've been in this magical business for long enough that I've acquired a good amount of eyes. Uh, I mean, good, good eyes to, to see when items are and aren't magical when they're cursed or not cursed. So can you do something about it? I sure can. I can help you get that watch off. I assume you want it off your wrist. That's one heavy curse, though. It's gonna cost you a lot. And that sword, if you don't mind taking it out, I'd love to take a look at it.
4: Uh, okay. Okay? Don't say that I didn't warn you, though. Okay. I take off the sheath, and I set the whole thing, the sheath sword on, and then back away.
0: (laughs) As you back away, from the sheaf that you've set on the floor or on the table? On the table. You f- see your sore son vibrating really intensely on the table, rattling immediately, and you can sort of hear the voice growing fainter in your head as you back away. Well, what are you doing, father? Why? Well, I miss you. No, don't leave. Where are we? What's going on? I can't see anything. And then you see this and woman approach, uh, her big trunk-like feet. Thump. Thump as she gets closer to the sword. Uh, And then she reaches out her trunk and wraps the tip of it around the hilt and begins to pull it out. And as the sword is revealed, it begins to shake violently in her hand. She goes, oh, oh, you got a feisty one here. And it whips out all the way and it's like fighting with her trunk. You know, it's like flying all over the place. But she has like a really strong grip and is able to, to like... Wrestle it down, and it's just like shaking in her trunk. And you see that the cracked gem on the pommel, the the hilt, is is glowing very brightly. It's like flashing different colors. You can hear the voice in your head now, distant, but like it's shouting. Like there's someone shouting at you from across the room, being like, "Father, that's not you! Don't stop! C- come, come
4: back!" Can I tell it to chill? Yeah, you can, can do whatever out? you want. It can communicate with me telepathic, right? Yeah. So I I just am like. Can you calm down, please? It just goes, what's going on? What's happening? Is this, what's this woman doing to me? Uh, I look at the the woman, I'm like, so what? It does, It's well,
0: there's some good news uh, and, and some bad news. The good news is it's not cursed. Uh, the bad news is your sword seems to have gained ascensions sentience somehow, which means obviously it has a mind of its own now. Is it talking to you by any chance? Hi, hi there. Uh, it says to the sword, and the sword goes, I wanna to talk to her! I I can do my best to remove the sentience if you want. There are some moral questions that arise from that though. But I can do it if you want me to. Again, it'll co- it'll cost you a hefty fee. I'm I'm saying, if you can train this sword, it'll be like a guard dog. Really, no one's gonna expect it. This is a powerful magical item. I I wanna buy it off you, frankly. I mean, how about was... this? If you give me the sword, I'll fix your
4: watch. Ugh. I have to think about it, and okay. I pick up- I pick up the sheath and, like, extend the open end. Okay. It
0: really is a shame, though. She begins to lower it, uh, it begins to slide it in. So what did you say your name was, Sunny?
4: Oh, uh, I didn't. <laughs> 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 just a traveler.
0: Just a traveler? Why don't you tell me your name? You know, so I can write you down in my little appointment book if you want to schedule an appointment to come back after you're done thinking about it.
4: I know where to find you.
0: I guess you do. Uh, we're going to pause on that scene. Okay, we're going to hit
1: pause. Uh, and then we're going to go to Oka and Manaya. <sighs> Hold on, I need a minute. Okay. <gasps> I was like, oh my god, a cute locks this
0: <laughs> Elephants are evil. Elephants are evil. Apparently. Excuse me. I have to sneeze. Come on. Do it. Do it.
2: Do it. Sneeze. (laughs) Sneeze. Sneeze.
0: Stop. I can't. (laughs) I have sneeze shyness. I can't anymore. (laughs) Are y'all ready to go back to your monster fighting uh, scene? Yes. Okay. Minaya and Oka. The two of you stand in front of the coin exchange in front of a teller. An elf woman with dark brown skin. She's counting coins and chips. And as you approach, doesn't even look up at you and says... All right, what'll it be? Paragon 8, darling, for two. She pauses, glances up at the two of you, says, Fourth door, to the right. Sort of jerks her head toward a hallway.
1: Thank you. See, Mania, I told you I'm great at this. Min- I promise it's less smoky down there.
0: is completely covered by smoke. It seems to cling <laughs> to her. <laughs> Cause you're so tall, high up, the smoke rises and it's like all up in your face. That's what you get for playing like a seven, eight character.
3: That's what you get,
0: Devin. You're covered in smoke. Your eyes are watering. You're miserable.
4: This is Connie's I mean, uh,
0: short, short, short is coming out. How We're fucking short. dare you, frankly? How fucking dare you? Um, Dewey's gonna die. Dewey, I will kill die. you.
2: you ended today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Oka, you address Manaya as you're walking away from the coin counter And you go toward this hallway to the right There's two bouncers Huge, burly women Just big Not as big as you, Manaya, don't worry But thicker, for sure And they both sort of look down at the two of you And
1: they sort of like move to like cover the hall hallway entrance a little bit more And one of them goes Password? Paragon 8, why would I be coming down this way if I didn't know? Uh, you never
0: know. Some kids like to poke their eyes around, uh, we had a guy really drunk the other day off of Raccoon Hooch. Try to come in here, acting like a <laughs> raccoon. I don't know. Why would you come down here if you didn't know? You tell me, punk! You, fu- you tell me, punk! Yeah. And she sort of works herself into a
1: rage. <laughs> uh, Oka kind of, like, you know, leans back a little, and like, oh god, I remember the one. <laughs> you, were, you were drunk off Raccoon Hooch <laughs> and acted like a raccoon?
0: Yeah, uh, the other woman goes, hey, uh, Karina, it's okay. Uh, Yeah, y'all can pass. Just, uh, make sure to put your masks on. And, Oka, this is news to you. You've never heard of anything to do with masks at all. Like, ever.
1: It's the first time I've been back in a while. Uh, I'm a vet, you could say. I haven't gotten my mask in the mail yet, though. What the hell are you you talking- it's a (laughs) bring-your-own-mask situation! All right, well, I, uh, didn't- It's not like you send out monthly newsletters, all right? Yeah, of course we don't. Why would, a, why would a crime ring send out monthly newsletters? <laughs> think about it. Okay, well then how was I supposed to know that I needed a mask?
3: Okay, okay. I've got this. We'll put our masks on. My friend didn't have theirs, but they seem to have forgotten that I'm covering them today.
0: Oh, got it. I was just going to say, it's a little suspicious that you know what the password is is, but not the fact that you need masks. Almost makes me think you're sneaking in here for some nefarious purpose but I'm just a bouncer. What do I know? Uh, Go ahead. (laughs) The two of you make your way past these muscular women. You hear Karina go, I "I really wanted to pound that one's double pupil
1: face in. Uh, Oka kind of like prods Manaya's shoulder a little bit with their finger. And is like, are you carrying around masks in your big coat?
3: Well, I can't say I've dedicated a pocket to it quite yet, but, and she looks back at the bouncers. Are they watching? Nope. Uh, She takes off her cloak, Bends down, puts a foot down, and rips off two long straps out of the very bottom hem of her of her cloak. That's long smart. enough to like wrap around oh. your head.
1: Oh, Manaya, I could I could just use my. Oh, okay, well, <sighs>
3: What's done is done. I'll get a new cloak at some point. I
0: actually really like that idea. Why don't you take inspiration for that?
3: Too hot in here to wear a big coat like this anyway.
1: Oka's going to use the tip of going to pull out their sword and use the tip to make like eye holes, you know? Cool. So, so you're, of, like, you're both like,
3: I was thinking like, thinking like a, like a, this sort of mask,
1: like a reverse Zoro mask, kind of like a bandana. Yeah. Yeah. Right?
3: yeah. yeah. I don't know who Zoro is, but sure.
1: Zoro. Antonio Banderas. Never mind.
0: Uh, So as the two of you are fashioning this, I'll just say it succeeds. That's fine. You're walking down this hallway and you see like there are these like paintings that look like they're really good paintings like lining the hallways. They look like masterpieces actually of like landscapes of Dabathati, of like the gods, you know, at their altars. You see like Yudabathi leaning down, like bringing what it looks like weapons and war to the people. Like just like beautiful, breathtaking paintings actually. You both notice in the corner of each of these paintings, etched into the bottom right edge, is uh, a big O with ten X's around the rim. That okay you recognize as the sigil of the Orox guild. I think it's pronounced Ox. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh you count the doors. There are like doors here. You don't really hear noises coming from behind any of them, but you count the fourth one down to your right. And
1: you reach in. Alright, listen, Manaya. I know that You probably have the best heart of anyone I've ever met. You might not like this place.
3: Rest assured, I knew what I was getting into when I told you we should go together.
1: All right. Just making sure. But, uh, I have your back.
3: And I yours.
0: Oka opens the door. Staircase. Descending deep, deep, deep down into the earth. Down we go. The stairs start out wooden, and then they turn suddenly, abruptly, into stone. And the smell of the smoke and the perfumes and the cigars and the alcohol begin to fade from your senses, becoming replaced with the smell of damp earth, the underground. And of course, as you go deeper and deeper, the smell of blood uh, becomes a lot more prominent. And the noises of the gambling parlor fade out and are replaced with, from the distance, uh, growing ever louder and louder, shouting. A huge, vast crowd underground. And then you turn a corner and abruptly, you're there. You see a sort of vast underground coliseum. And you've entered from one of many entrances, sort of like circling all around the coliseum. This thing has got to be big enough to cover at least like two blocks of Dabathati, like underneath. Oh God, this is an upgrade significantly from the last time you were here. When you were here, the pits were not even half the size if even like a fourth this size. There were not nearly as many seats uh, in the audience. This thing looks a lot more professional. It looks a lot more intense. And you notice every single person in the audience is wearing an ornate masquerade
1: mask. Damn, they fucking upgraded. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> holy shit (laughs) okay like pulls pulls their mask up you know
0: As you pull, like, your, your masks up, they, they definitely pale in comparison to other people's masks, but no one seems to cast you, like, a, a second look. Everyone seems to be dressed up, similar to those women that you saw earlier. And you notice as you're looking down at this arena, like, the front, like, the best seats in the house seem to be VIP. They're, like, cordoned off with red, like, rope. Uh, and there are a couple empty seats, even, that uh, people have to, like, stand instead of being allowed to sit in, like, the VIP area. The arena itself is pretty big it's active stuff is happening already as you like walk in there seems to be based on your vantage point uh, several people in the pit maybe three or four and they seem to be brawling with a huge beast in the middle oka you recognize this beast as a manticore Manaya, you see this, like, huge lion, like, but much bigger than an actual, like, regular lion, with bat wings and, like, a wickedly curved scorpion tail coming out, and it seems to let out, like, a rattle and a hiss at the same time. Its mane is also spiked, and its face looks a lot more vicious than a regular lion. Uh, the combatants are not masked, or rather, their masks have fallen off. One of them still has a mask on. One of them holds a trident with a net. Another one has like a long sword out. Someone else is wielding dual daggers. And a fourth one is just casting spells with like a focus in one hand. And they're like blasting at this manticore. And you also notice the manticore suddenly takes off off the ground. Uh, and its wings start beating really heavily. Even from where you are, you can feel like the gusts of wind blasting up from the audience and hitting you. And then the manticore hits something that sparks. Looks like maybe an invisible force field. It lets out like a a pained cry, and it like lowers itself so it doesn't hit the force field again. And you hear someone's voice—an announcer. Echoing all around this coliseum, uh, going, And the Manticore's down! It seems to have forgotten the fact that there's a force field over the arena. Good news for our adventurers, bad news for our monsters, some say. You know, after complaints we've gotten from audience members getting carried off by harpies and griffins and stuff like that, we've instituted this force field for all of your viewing pleasure. Place your bets, place your bets, people! Who's gonna deal the killing blow? You hear like this, like this, this voice all around you
3: commend connie on that announcer voice like (laughs) as a person who worked on the radio (laughs) very good Manaya glances at oakland to lead
1: this is new territory i think Mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out like okay fuck where the fuck do we sit but they're eventually i think just gonna kind of like grab mania's like her jacket and just like start pulling Mm -hmm. instead of trying to go down closer gonna go up and around to try to get a better vantage point, like from up high, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, mm-hmm. where there are less people.
0: Why don't the two of you make a perception check for me, generally speaking, just at the arena and the audience, let's say? 12. 17. Manaya you're just sort of taking everything in. This is really overwhelming. Oka, you cast your gaze out over the audience, and for some reason your eye seems to catch a specific VIP booth that's close to the front there is a ton of bodyguards around this one person and you don't see her face based on where you are. Her back is sort of to you, like you're like behind her, but you do see like a kind of frilly pink parasol that's open and covering like the back of this person who's being guarded. That does stand out to you. Is there anything about it that rings out to me? As you squint at the parasol, you notice that there's like kind of girlish, very intricate, frilly stitching on the parasol that resembles an O with 10 X's around the rim. Mm. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going to try to lead us all the way to like at least a fourth of the way over so we can look at that person better.
0: The battle rages on. If we look at DD combat, like, one round is, what, like, six seconds or something? So at this point, the manticore is heavily wounded, uh, and is sort of flailing on the ground as, like, the, this huge guy is like, driving his trident in, you know, like, the, the magician is blasting it from the, the rim. And as you finally find yourself on the correct angle to take a look at this person's face, you notice a half-elf woman with these, like, pointed ears. She's albino. And is wearing an eye patch, like a black, like beautiful, kind of like goth eye patch over her right eye. She's wearing this like really like kind of Lolita style frilly white and pink dress. She looks young, but you know age can look deceptive on an elf's face.
1: You've never seen. Uh, her I'm gonna settle. Are there seats where we are? Not a lot, <laughs> but there are. Oka's going to sit then and kind of lean in conspiratorially toward Minaya and watch the ring. This is pretty different than the last time I was here. It's, you know, always kind of been a shitty place. I don't love watching monsters kill each other, but this seems... There used to be scholars, monster hunters, people who were training to fight monsters, but this is fortuitous.
0: You notice people like moving through the crowd who are all dressed sort of in the same uniform, like the same black suit with a gold tie, who are collecting money, like bets from people. And you hear the MC go, all right, it looks like the the battle's winding to an end here. Place your final bets on who's gonna deal the killing blow for that huge payout.
3: First of all, before those people in suits come, they're gonna ask us for our bet. Where do you suggest we put it?
1: I always like to bet on the monsters.
3: Let's do it then. Now, we have a Raji, was it? Ravi. Ravi. My teacher.
1: Yes. Are you going to try to scan the crowd looking for her? Uh, yeah, I think maybe is just like, oh, right, that's why we're here. Right. Uh, <laughs> Don't forget there. why
3: you're here.
0: <laughs> so with your 17, you were not able to see Raji in the audience. If she were here, it would take a really high perception check to spot her among the throng and with everyone's masks on. It's almost impossible, I would say.
3: Those monsters that they've gotten in the pit have those shadow creatures or so we've heard
0: you know that a manticore is native to endake this is certainly not one of those freaky weird new empty spawn
3: the other reason why we're here yes
1: i can't fucking see anyone in this crowd but i know certainly how we could get ravi's attention if she's here good smiles
4: a little
0: The, the manticore lets out a final pained
1: furious
0: screech and then it dies The person wielding the double daggers deals the killing blow, and the crowd goes crazy. A lot of people look really mad. (laughs) A lot of people also look elated as, like, cash begins to flow. And you see, like, a couple, like, jockeys, like, run out from the edges of the arena and start, like, dragging the dead body of the manticore away. And, like, you see, like, a grate, like, open, sort of, like, in a coliseum, and the the dead body of the manticore is dragged away. And the uh, adventurers sort of are, like, preening to the audience, and then they, too, leave through, like, an opposite grated door.
1: I mean... We're collecting soul sacks, right? Two birds, one stone. Or one sword, I suppose. One axe. That's two weapons.
3: I was hoping we'd have the others if we were going to fight in the arena, but since we're here...
1: Oka has fought in the arenas before. Yes. How back then would you be entered? I imagine it was just kind of like you like tap... It was, like, a lot closer, and you would just, like, tap. You would just go down and and tap whoever's in
0: charge, and you could just hop. There wasn't a force field. There were a lot of deaths, audience deaths and injuries (laughs) because of this. You could just sort of hop over the fence and go in. But this is a lot bigger. There seems to be, like, procedure hierarchy to how this is structured now. So you're not exactly sure, but the answer comes to you. As the arena is cleared, and you see like someone dri- like driving two bulls who are dragging like a thing to like replow the dirt of the floor, like dragging like a huge like metal claw, and you hear this like voice ring out again. This MC go, "All right, and now on to the final set piece of the evening. Before we go- get into our night entertainment, a special beast." And like th- like excitement begins to ring out through the seats. A beast that no one's seen until after the vanishing. And the entire like crowd goes wild and everyone's like extremely excited. He goes, we do of course have our pre-registered fighters, but as always, if anyone would like to sign up, head on down to Miss Saram. All right, come on, let's go, let's go.
3: <laughs> I suppose, and get ourselves killed and might as well go down a blaze of damn glory.
0: Just with your perception checks from earlier, you see, like, a small, like, line of people. See, people aren't super eager to fight, but the people who are are really eager, like you. People are getting mm. up and lining up, uh, forming a line down at the VIP area, where the, girl, where the woman in the parasol is. But she doesn't turn around. It's one of her bodyguards that addresses all the fighters. And you see the bodyguards actually turning some people away from the fight. Some people look really upset. Do you light up? Yes, with
1: a little bit of shoving past
0: okay. others.
3: And I was following, not shoving people, but following close behind.
0: As you follow close behind, moving, the smell of sweat, bodies bumping against you, but you're huge. You're able to wade through them like a shark through a school of fish, opening up uh, opportunity for Oka. You finally get down. There are a couple people in front of you. Uh, you see, like, a dwarf man go, I I can fight to one of these huge, burly bodyguards, this uh, dragonborn man. Kind of reminds you of Sievert, but isn't Sievert? And he goes, Huh. You don't look like you're very tough. You're not going to give him a good show. And the dwarf goes, no, I, I promise I will. Nah, I don't think so, bud. Get out of the way. The dwarf's like, I can prove it to you. Really? And just sort of kicks him aside. And he sort of like tumbles over and he goes, how are you going to stand a chance against a face stealer if you can't even beat me? And the dwarf goes, ah, curses and moves. And now it's your turn. A what?
1: A what? Is that Was to me that as a GM? mean anything to me? Yeah,
0: face stealer? You've never heard that before.
1: Can I use my hunter's bane to get advantage on a wisdom or on an intelligence, intelligence check? check? Yes, you can, you can. You can, bitch. You okay. can. All right. <laughs> Go for <laughs> well, it. That was a natural 19. And that was a natural 20! Hey! hey. hey. Uh, and I add my intelligence, which is a plus 2, so that's 22. 22. Actually, have I heard of a face you have Did never heard you? of a face stealer before? Oh my god! But with your natural
0: twenty, okay. This is definitely one of these new strange creatures that have that have spawned since the cataclysm. And based on the name, oh it probably steals your face. <laughs> Just so you know, the dragonborn man instantly looks kind of impressed by your size, Manaya. Okay, uh, your uh, your masks kind of suck. It's not very performative, you know? We, we want
1: people who, who can give us a good show. Oka uh, pulls their mask down and is uh-huh. like, Yeah, your attitude kind of fucking sucks, you douchebag. Let us through.
0: What the hell did you just... Based on that, I'm going to disqualify you. But before the argument can get any further, you see kind of behind him a white-gloved hand raise. And he falls silent immediately. And then the parasol moves a quarter inch to the side. And you see the profile of this woman, this elf woman, right? Regal nose. And when she speaks, you notice her teeth are black. Pitch black. Uh, and she says, It's quite all right. They seem feisty. Let them through. Yes, Miss Uh And sort of jerks his head uh, toward like a little path that's been opened for you. Another bodyguard removes like the rope and lets you go down all the way to like the, the, the fencing area of the Coliseum. You know how they like, were like, hockey players sit when they're, like, in timeout? There's, like, kind of, like, a little box like that, where, like, maybe three or four other fighters are that have been let through. None of them really stand out to you, except for one. And your attention, both of your attentions, are torn between this woman and the monster that is being brought into the arena. You hear the screeching of metal against wood as the grates open again, and no fewer than, like, ten... Jockeys, they have like the poles with the loops on the end to sort of like control rabid animals, but they have it on like various limbs and the long, long neck of this extremely grotesque looking creature uh, that seems to be an amalgamation of limbs with a really long neck and a person's weeping face at the end of that neck and like uh, three pairs of limbs that end in long claws. It's, it's, it's a large creature and decorating its fleshy hide are, is a stitching of a ton of other faces that are all like weeping and crying, but it's not completely covered. There are a few empty spots Uh, and it's like, Thrashing and uh, the bookies, they pound a button on the end of their poles all at the same time, and this it seems to like electrify this creature, and it jerks and it boof, seems to power down and it stops moving. And the the jockeys use this as an opportunity to get the fuck out of there. Uh, they like take the hooks off and they just run, they scram, and then like the the great closes again. And then the other fighters in the box with you stand, including the woman who who catches your eye. She's 6'2", with skin kind of as dark as the sea, and she wears this, like, studded leather armor that's outfitted with black feathers. And her armor is also sleeveless, which reveals these, like, muscular arms, sort of veined with intricate golden tattoos of, like, ravens, like, all over her arms. Finally, she has this, like, long, tangled kind of black hair flowing down her spine. Uh, Looped around her hip is a braided, wicked black whip. She stands.
1: Honey, you're just giving us so many wives today. (laughs) And the door slides open. V, the
2: contract. Excellent. So I'm assuming she's still holding the pen out to me. So I'm going to be like, uh, what happens if you don't know how to write?
0: But, excuse me, honey? You're illiterate?
2: I never really learned how to write. I can... I can sometimes read a little bit of signs, like enough to get around, but not particularly good at writing.
0: Ah, that's okay. We we have something just for that. And she holds out like a pad of ink. Says your thumbprint works too.
2: All right. Uh, um, I'm going to put my thumb into the ink. Okay. And then I'm going to look at it and I'm going to cast light on the ink on my thumb. So all of a sudden it starts like glowing. Okay. And I'm going to start panicking and be like, oh no, not again. This, everybody. What? And be like stands up and starts like freaking out and be like, Everybody, everybody, get the way. And I'm what? going to start sneezing. Choo! <laughs> Choo! And then on one like every time I sneeze, my my hands are close to my nose. And on the third one, I'm going to sneeze and cast ray of frost onto the contract.
0: Okay. All over
2: the contract. Okay. Ice all over the desk in the contract. Okay. And I'm like And then I'm going to sneeze again, uh, chew, and I'm going to use minor illusion to cause like a green spirit to fly around the room and then just like (laughs) dissipate. And then I'm going to sneeze again and use minor illusion to make it sound like a beast is like growling from inside of me and then I'm going to sneeze and cause Mage Hand to fly out of my nose uh, swirling around, pick up the chair that I was sitting on, fling it across the room and dissipate and then I'm just going to like hold still, hold still and breathe breathe and then the light is going to go down like I'm going to let that dissipate and I'm like, is everybody okay?
0: You want fries with that? (laughs) uh first of all erica i gave you inspiration for that second of all what are you doing what the hell
2: happened well now the contract is covered in ice i can't sign it yet okay we have to wait for it to thaw.
0: okay the woman at the counter has like a little bit of
2: frost on her face she goes Ah,
0: uh, are
2: you okay oh no the contract I'm a little tired right now. I think I need to rest before I, that, this has been happening to me ever since things went away and I'm, I'm just, uh, do you have, you can, uh, do you have a bed somewhere I could rest in?
0: Oh, yes, of course. It's upstairs. That's where all our bedrooms are. Of course he can take a rest. I totally understand. I don't exactly know what the hell just happened there, (laughs) but I'm not going to question it. Once dinner's ready, we'll call you down and we can take care of the contract then.
2: Perfect. That sounds wonderful. Thank you.
0: All right. Again, up the stairs, just up, you can find a spare bed.
2: All right. And I'm going to just, like, slowly just creak along as if I just went through a major ordeal. Go up the steps. (laughs) Make sure, like... I want to look around to see if anyone's, like, following me or watching me.
0: Uh, people looked at you when you were doing your sneeze, glow, freeze, spirit, whatever. (laughs) But people have sort of settled down. They're either praying again or they're rocking back and forth or they're snoring on the couch or talking to each other. None of them are really paying you any attention.
2: I want to take one last look at that, the door that's locked with a padlock on it.
0: You take one look at that door and your char, like, charlatan background, that lock does not look very well guarded. You're like, you could probably pick that real easy.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to try to stealthily go that way, but then cast Minor Illusion to make it sound like I'm going up steps, just Sounds making good? the sound of creaking going up That's there. That's really
0: smart, actually. I'll give you another point of inspiration for that. Seems to work, no one seems to like, poke their head into the hallway, and you look around. You're completely alone in the hallway.
2: I'm gonna try to open this lock.
0: Okay, make uh, a sleight of hand check with your thieves' tools. I'm assuming you have thieves' tools based on your background.
2: Twenty-five uh,
0: it, it creaks open. You that's it. It was like you had the key. It was yes. not only fast, but it was silent and effective. And without um, a noise, the door swings open. And you see, similar to what Oka and Malaya saw, a staircase leading down, leading underground.
2: I'm going to go right down. Let's go.
0: Okay. V, are you leaving the door open or closing it behind you?
2: I'm gonna cast Mage Hand. Okay. So I'm gonna close. I'm gonna put the lock in there as best as I can. Okay. And then close the door and use the Mage Hand to like put the latch over, so like it looks like the lock is there, even okay. though you could just swing it open if you wanted to.
0: Wonderful. You do that. It's completely dark in here. There doesn't seem to be any light source. Do you like cast light so, on your hand or something?
2: Yeah. I'll okay. just the, my gem in my hand. I'll great start glow.
0: Holding your gem out in front of you like a flashlight, even though there's no such thing as a flashlight because this is medieval fantasy. Uh, you slowly descend the steps something about this feels wrong. As you descend deeper and deeper underneath this orphanage where the children of the chrysalis are operating, the smell is what alerts you to the sense of wrongness first. It's the smell of blood. The second thing that alerts you is the sound. The sound of crunching bone and eating. The third thing that alerts you is your light. Your light falls on the edge of something rather horrific, uh, which is the bottom of this basement area, uh, is where you see, uh, first of all, you see several cages uh, filled with ripped clothes and just, like, blood. Uh, The cages are open, and you see two familiar-looking creatures, those sort of, like, featherless, bipedal jaw-dog creatures that attacked you in episode one, are eating what appear to be what used to be people. They're eating them. Mm -hmm. There's at least two of these creatures. They don't seem to have noticed you yet. They're sort of in a feeding frenzy.
2: Well, what a pleasant surprise. Okay,
0: okay. and now we cut back to you, Dewey. Uh, In the strange strangely huge, vast back room, impossibly vast back room of this magic shop. You are holding out the sheath, right, to your sentient sword that this loxodon woman holding with her trunk is about to slide in. She asked for your name, and you refused her. Uh, and as she's close to sliding the sword in, she says, oh, um, just uh, wh- one last thing, um, how's your wife and kid? and the trunk turns into a hand which turns into an arm rippling all the way up until this is no longer a loxitan woman but a man with a hound's head you've seen this man once before in your life back when you were traveling through the forests of Toulong. he had introduced himself and he reintroduces himself again as the Myriad, remember me? Prepare to die. And that was the backstory we unlocked. And we're going to end the session there. The backstory is that I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? We're going to end the session there. Uh... <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Transplaner. Please consider giving us a five star rating on Apple podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. Music is by Connie Chong, CIS, and Fezlian Studios, used with permission. Audio mixing is done by Mike Graham. Give Mike a follow on Twitter at O Mike Graham. That's O H Mike M I K E Graham G R A H A M. New podcast episodes drop every other Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransPlanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransPlanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Abigail Reitel, Azura, Brooke Bright, Cassidy Barnes, Charles, Cora Eckert, Lex Slater, Moonflower Tea, Purple Mouse, and Risa.